I said at the 9 o'clock that if um, you're a parent out there and you need us to ruin what virgin means and what barren means, just send, just send your kids here on Christmas. And we'll, let them, we'll let them read that story. Um, also, if there are any PCA operatives in here that are mad that a little girl just read scripture, I will meet you in the parking lot. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll beat you up. That's how that's going to work. That's how it's going to work. Uh, let's pray to the Lord together. Uh, Jesus, we are uh, so thankful that you're the one that said, uh, let the little children come to you uh, and let no one block them. Um, Lord, we ask for that faith this morning, uh, that we can come to you uh, as little children, uh, lost, confused, uh, questioning, wondering what it is uh, you have for us uh, as we follow you. Uh, throughout this life uh, and into the next. Lord, would you be so kind and so merciful as to uh, show up for us this morning. Uh, Let us see uh, and behold your majesty uh, through this story. And it's in your name we do pray. Amen. And so we we hear uh, from Ellie what uh, the scripture says about Mary uh, and Gabriel and their encounter. And so we're going to draw three things out of that encounter this morning. We're going to see the favored girl, the favored son, and then the finale of impossibility. The favored girl, favored son, uh, and the finale of impossibility. So let's dive in together. Uh, starting with verse 26 there uh, in the passage. Luke introduces Mary here. Um, Luke is writing this, uh, his book is actually a letter to a guy named Theophilus. And so he's, uh, he's writing to Theophilus to show him um, what and who Jesus was, the things that he did. And Luke could have presented his book as just like a long list of bullet points of all the things that Jesus did. Uh, But Luke knows that people aren't persuaded by bullet points, they're persuaded by stories. And so he he opens this letter with most excellent Theophilus. Once upon a time, an angel showed up to a girl uh, that was a virgin. That's just kind of a weird way to start a story. Uh, But nonetheless, this is where we are. We're told of Gabriel, the archangel, who is, uh, we see him in a couple different places uh, in scripture, he's sort of a fun thing to study, uh, thing, it's an angel, he's a fun angel to study, um, and Gabe is sent to find Mary and deliver her some, some heavenly news, um, that God had found favor with her, that God had found favor with her, so often we refer to Mary as the one who found favor with God, uh, but it might be more accurate to say that favor found her, that she didn't find a favor, but favor found her, that God saw her, and God knew her, um, and that God had a very special plan for her. So imagine, uh, if you will, this scene in your sort of redemptive imagination, if you're able to, um, that you are just sort of going along, minding your 14-year-old business, and uh, bam, this angel shows up. Uh, we don't know what Gabriel looked like. Uh, we know enough uh, that any time an angel shows up, the people are scared. Uh, and so it was no different here uh, for Mary, and that... Um, Mary knew enough about angels, she wasn't ignorant to the scriptures, Uh, she knew enough about angels to know that when angels show up, that something weird's about to happen. Uh, All throughout scripture we see that. Uh, Angels don't show up to ask like what your Enneagram type is, they don't show up to ask like where you're going for Christmas. Um, That when an angel comes, it comes with a message from God, and she knew that, so when this angel shows up and says, Greetings, Mary, favored one. Uh, Mary is thinking what we would all be thinking, which is, what do you want here? Uh, it's like when the pastor texts you and asks what you're doing after the service. It's because we need those stockings moved upstairs. 
um, and we're about to ask you to do something. Mary knew that this angel's coming in um, and says, hey, you're the favored one. She then responds, what kind of, or, is, or is told by Luke, that she responds by uh, being disturbed and discouraged and wondering what kind of greeting this might be. And this greeting troubled her just like it would trouble us. All right, it's easy to look at uh, stories that happen in Scripture and say, oh, they're just sort of simpletons, and the angel showing up wouldn't have been a big deal. Like, it would have been just as weird then as it would be now if an angel were to show up and start saying stuff to us in the middle of this service. And by saying, um, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, the angel tries to uh, sort of comfort her with those words, which I don't know if they would have been much of a comfort. Um, it's like, boo, <laughs> I'm an angel. Uh, and don't be afraid. Like, thanks for the help, Gabe, but that didn't work. Like, what, what more do you want here? And so Mary is approached by Gabriel. She's wondering what they're going to do, and Gabriel reminds her again that you found favor with God, which might actually be the first thing that's hard to believe in this passage. Um, it might be the hardest thing for you to believe right now uh, that God looks upon people with favor. Maybe it's not that big of a surprise to you because you think you're great. Uh, but that God would look upon humans with favor. That he would love Mary just because he loves her. Remember, Gabriel has yet to give Mary anything to do. He just tells her, hey, God has found favor with you. God delights in you. God really kind of likes you. Um, because isn't this what God always does? Because this is one of the lessons that we can learn from Mary. Uh, because the temptation uh, when we read Christmas stories is to wonder, like, how can I be like Mary this week? You can't, right? Uh, Mary had one job to do. She did it. She fulfilled that. She was the mother of God. She, she worked that out. You don't have to be called to be that. But what we can learn from Mary is that we can see that just as God saw favor in her, that before the foundation of the world was laid, that God set apart some people for himself. And he looked down the halls of history, and he saw you, and he saw me, and he saw us. And he saw Tim Keller, and he saw Mary, and he saw Joseph. Um, <laughs> I assume Tim Keller's in there. <laughs> got, got a little dad complex with that guy, that's fine. Um, that he looked down the halls of history and he saw these folks and he said, I'm going to pull them apart and they're going to be mine. I'm going to take them out of all that sin has done and I'm going to call them mine and they're going to be chosen and I'm going to put my favor on them. And they didn't do anything to get it. That's the first big miracle of the Christmas season is that we see that God really does set his affection on people like us. That we're broken and we're bruised. We're tired and we're weary, but God has chosen to love his people for no other reason than he has chosen to love them. Now, the Christmas story, as I said a few weeks ago, is not one that's necessarily flattering to humanity, right? Humanity was so fallen and so broken uh, that this plan of God that was put into place uh, to come and redeem his people had to be carried out in this fashion that Jesus was going to have to leave heaven and come to earth um, while we're messed up and while we're broken, and that's not flattering, what is, uh, is that Jesus has come and has set his affection on people like us. And God came to Mary because he loved Mary, and he told her what was true, 
before he ever told her what to do. Remember the message from, from Gabriel, greetings, blessed and highly favored when the Lord is with you. Blessed and highly favored when the Lord is with you. That's how Mary is so relatable, but what sets her apart is that God loved her so much that he asked her to carry his son. That's how we're not like Mary, right? Imagine being Mary in this moment. Elliot did this last week with Joseph, so I want, I want us to try to go there if we can. Um, that this angel shows up to you, and you're just Mary, and you're just kind of minding your own business. And uh, Gabriel shows up and says, hey, blessed and highly favored one, the Lord sees you, and the Lord knows you, and the Lord's with you. Also, stick with me here, Mayor. Um, he, he wants you to carry his baby. God wants you to carry his baby. Now, we've watered this down a good bit because we, we just know the Christmas story kind of back and forth. Uh, we have nativities on our mantle and that kind of stuff. Uh, it's sort of lost its punch, but if you've, um, if you've carried a kid, and I was told by my wife not to compare things to pregnancy, like when I stub my toe or when I don't, when I don't sleep very well. This is like giving birth. Um, I was told not to compare things to pregnancy, but she's not here, so it's fine. Um, I've never carried a kid, but I watched my wife do it, and it looked terrible, right? Um, it sounded terrible, like literally. I was like, morning sickness sounds like it's not fun. Um, this is what Mary is asked to do. Hey, Mary, God wants you to carry his son. He's going to come, and for the next nine months, you're going to be miserable. Um, and you're going you're to like throw up in the mornings, and your feet are going to grow for some reason. That's something that happens. And your back's going to hurt. Um, and you're going to yell at your husband for stuff. Um, she didn't have a husband yet. She's going to yell at Joseph. Pick up those socks. Um, that Mary is, has found so much favor with God that God says, Mary, I want you to carry my son. And she has the perfect response. This is a response that we would have. How? Because I'm a virgin. I know the birds and the bees, Gabe, showing up at my house uninvited. I know, I know how this happens. Joseph and I haven't done that. So how am I going to carry the Son of God? It's not possible. Virgins don't get pregnant. Even in, even in the history of Christianity and all the impossible pregnancies that took place, they weren't virgins. They were, like, they were barren women, and they were well beyond childbearing years, and God gave them a baby, and that's a miracle, but they weren't virgins. Mary is saying, I'm not even that. There's no precedent here in Scripture for me to believe any of this. And this story and the explanation she gets is weirder than any story that we can make up because Gabe is like, hey, Mary, it's fine. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. Cool. Gabriel? The Holy Spirit's going to do it, Mary. You're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And it's going to overshadow you. And it's going to overcome you. And then you'll carry his baby. Because that makes sense. But Gabe goes on to say that she's going to be overshadowed and that the child will be holy. And that sounds weird to us. But it wouldn't sound weird to a Jew or to a Hebrew who would be reading this. Or even to Mary who would be hearing it. Uh, because the word that Gabriel uses for overshadowed is the same word that Moses used for the cloud that overcame the temple. And when the temple was moving, uh, when the tabernacle and then the temple in the Old Testament, when the cloud was there, it meant that God was there. 
that it's the presence of God. So Mary, you're going to come over, you're going to be overshadowed. And it's going to mean that God's with you. It's going to mean that God's in you. It's going to mean that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. The Son who comes from your womb will be God. That's what Mary gets signed up for. She didn't even opt into this. This is what she's just told is going to happen. That the son who comes from her womb, Mary, you are favored. And the son who comes from your womb is going to be the most favored of all. He's going to be the most favored human that will ever walk the earth. This is going to bring us to our second point, the favored son. Uh, What Gabriel is telling Mary here is that the king is returning. This would have made a lot of sense to her. Because Israel has been waiting for a king for a really long time. And this is why it was so important that God would orchestrate uh, in this plan that Mary and Joseph would be the ones that would come together because Joseph was of royal lineage. He was from David's line. He was one of David's descendants. Now, he wasn't like a silver spoon kid because that was a really long time ago. Um, He was just a carpenter. He didn't have a ton of money from everything that we see in Scripture. They were pretty poor. And he and Mary would have had a pretty meager existence in that regard. But what Joseph did have was a story, and he had a history. It was a story and a history that was written by God, and he had a Mary. And Joseph was from the stock of David, who was the greatest king that Israel had ever known. Now, if you've been around the church, you probably know about David. Um, Even if you haven't been around the church, you probably know about David, because you hear like David and Goliath. This is like a David and Goliath story. Um, You've heard his name before, And David's story and his rise and his reign and his rule and his fall and his place in the story of God that uh, he gave us a a massive chunk of the book of Psalms. Um, And we hear of his fall with Bathsheba and we're told that he's a man after God's own heart and he was highly favored. David was everything to the Hebrew people because God made a promise to David. That his family would rule forever. And man, it seemed like God had forgotten that. It seems like God had forgotten that that promise. Because Israel was under Roman rule here. They've been under rule of just about everybody that's ever existed. They were terrible at staying the course. They were terrible at defending themselves. Uh, They were always falling into sin. But the Hebrew people... Even though they were forgetful and they were a bunch of dodos, they were a resilient bunch of dodos. They were resilient. They would have remembered, they would have remembered that God made a promise. And they would have looked back at their scriptures and they would have remembered the stories that were told to them of all the places that it seemed like God had given up on them and he came through time and time again. That when they, were, when, they had their, when they were up against the Red Sea and they didn't know how they were going to get out of Egypt, that God split the Red Sea and they ran through. Uh, that when uh, Passover happens and it seems like all the babies are going to be killed, they were promised that if there was blood on their doorsteps that the angel of death would pass over them, and it did. And they were still alive. That they would be given a promised land and it happened. They would have known, they would have listened, they would have trusted, they would have waited, they would have put all of their hope in the fact that a king was going to be born from the line of David and Gabriel is coming and saying, Mary, this is that king. That you're going to give birth to him and his kingdom will know no end. 
he won't become a king. He won't spend some time like normal and then he like gets drafted into king school. He's just going to be a king as soon as he comes out. He's the king of Israel. He's their rightful ruler. He's their once and future king and he would not let them down. And here in the streets of David's town that day, that king will be born. And Gabriel said this kingdom will be different. It will be all the might and all the prosperity that David had. All the beauty and all the riches that David had without any of the faults that David had. That this kingdom and this ruler and this temple is going to be like the one that Ezekiel saw in his book when he had a vision of the temple that started as a spring of water that is toe deep and as it moved on it gets ankle deep. Then it moves a little further, then it gets knee deep, then it's waist deep, and then it's ocean deep. And Ezekiel says that, wa- that trees will grow on its banks and its waters will flood the earth with the name of God. And like Habakkuk would prophesy and say that uh, the knowledge of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That God's glory would be so on display and God will dwell with his people again. And the train of his robe that filled the temple will bring healing to the nations. Mary, that's who you're giving birth to. Gabriel is reminding her that this kingdom is without end. That, that, that the nations will look to the kingdom of God and wonder what's going on over there. That pilgrims would flock to it. That every soul that comes into contact with the kingdom of God would walk away changed. And the beauty and the majesty of God will come into contact with them and they will not be killed. That they can approach God and God won't kill them. That in this kingdom there will be no infertility. There will be no oppression of the poor. There's going to be no divisiveness. No wondering when the other shoe is going to drop. No more slavery to the world. Because Jesus the king has come to regain his throne. And Israel will once again know the prominence that is theirs. Simply by being connected to such a king. Mary this is what. Is, coming, is going to come from you. And when he is born, I want you to name him Jesus. Because that name means salvation. Because he's going to save the people from their sins. So this kingdom, Mary, is not going to come by might. And it's not going to come by force. It's going to come by deeds of love and deeds of mercy. And seated at the center of this kingdom is going to be Jesus, who will vanquish away the sins of the world. And never again will anyone walk in darkness, for his people have seen the marvelous light, and he will save them from their sins. Mary, Jesus is going to set his affections on them. That in 2,000 some odd years, they're still going to be talking about him in a super hot room in Nashville. They're going to be talking about this king, this son of yours, that all this is going to go forward. Mary, this is the king that you have. This is the king that's growing inside of you. This is the kingdom that is going to come. We're crooked swindlers like Zacchaeus will give away all the riches that they stole. Uh, Where a Samaritan woman who's been abused and taken advantage of will find wholeness. It's in this kingdom that the lame will leap and the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know? This is that kingdom. Mary, what's coming for you and what's coming from you is going to change the world so much so that wise men will travel from afar. Shepherds are going to visit you. A little drummer boy is going to come and visit you. Mary, it's going to be weird, but this kingdom is going to go forth. And it's going to come from you simply because you found favor with God.
And Mary, this kingdom is going to put an end to all those things that we deem impossible. Everything that seems impossible, like a virgin getting pregnant. Those days are over, Mary. That this king is going to come and change things. That prostitutes will feel more comfortable than pastors. That those who are trafficked will find restoration. That those who do trafficking will find justice. Because this is a just and a merciful kingdom. Mary, there will not be anyone like him before, and there won't be anyone like him since, because he is the king of salvation. He's the king who does the impossible, which brings us to our last point, the finale of impossibility. And so Gabriel, uh, in verses 30 through 38, he closes out um, his, his visit with Mary with a promise and then with a sign. Uh, the promise given is that, uh, that God does what is impossible, that nothing is impossible with God. And then he gives her a sign. He gives her a guarantee, like tangible evidence that what God is saying is true. Gabriel comes and says, this is true, Mary, and you'll know it's true because your super old cousin, Elizabeth, she's knocked up too. And they called her barren. And this doesn't make any sense. Uh, but you're going to find her, and she's going to be pregnant. And that's how you know that we're not telling you a lie, Mary, that your cousin Elizabeth is pregnant too. The one who is known in your family as barren has been pregnant for the last six months, and everyone around is going to think that that's impossible, but Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Now, this is a promise that sounds a little trite, because Tim Tebow put it on his helmet a bunch. I'm like, what, is that, what are you talking about? What, it must be impossible, because you didn't, your career was terrible, Tebow. Couldn't fix that, could it? That when they put, I'm working through some stuff, it's fine. Um, that when we hear that nothing is impossible with God, it's easy for us to write that off. But Gabriel is coming and saying, it's still true. It's true even if you don't believe it. That nothing is impossible with God. And Mary, I want to show you this because Elizabeth's going to be pregnant. And everyone thought that that was impossible. And we know that a virgin birth is impossible, but it's true. And if God can do that, then God can go to all those places that sin has scorched, all those places that sin has killed the earth, and there are no trees, and grace will come in and plant a meadow. That he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found, that everywhere that sin has touched and destroyed, Jesus looks and says that he is coming to make it new. As Andrew Peterson says, he's not coming to make all new things. He's coming to make all things new. That Jesus is going to come and he's going to renew all those places that have been broken, starting with every human heart. The human hearts that have looked at God and they've looked at sin and they go and they choose sin every single time. God says, still, even yet, I'm going to choose you. Even yet, I'm going to commit myself to you. I'm going to bind myself to you. And here's your guarantee, humanity, that I mean what I say, that my son is going to be born of a virgin, and he's going to live the life that you should have lived, and he's going to die the death that you should have died. And he's going to experience puberty. And he's going to experience high school. And he's going, to get, he's going to get a job. And he's going to live 30 years in relative obscurity. And he's going to show up, and he's only going to work for about three years, and then you're going to kill him. And he's going to save the people from their sins. 
humanity, this is why I'm binding myself to you to say that there's a baby who's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and shepherds and religious elites and wise men will marvel at who he is, and he will accomplish something for the human hearts that the scripture tells us that angels like Gabriel long to look into. What he's going to do in and through you, Mary, and in and through humanity, and in and through the world that's going to take this message forward and it's going to cover the globe. Angels long to look into this. Angels wish they could have this. Humanity, this is what I think of you. That you're a little bit lower than the angels, as I'm going to say in Psalm 8, but they wish they could have what you have. They wish they could have the closeness that you have with the Son of God. This is what Jesus is bringing in. That hell's gates will rattle as every heart surrenders their lives over to the will and the plan of salvation afforded us in Jesus. That demons will shudder, that heaven will tear open, that angels will rejoice. And Mary, all this is going to come through you because everyone's going to look at you and say that this is impossible. But praise God, we serve a God who does the impossible. That when the suffering and when the sadness of this season come upon us, when we have plans but COVID wrecks them, when we know that we look at what's about to come on Friday and Saturday as we head back home or as we have people in our home and we know it's going to be hard and the depression that comes with that and the broken dreams and the prodigals who aren't there and another year that we wanted a baby and we can't have one that Jesus is going to come and he's going to do what's impossible, whether it's in this life or in the next, when the broken dreams and the dashed hopes and the inflation and the underemployment, when it hits and looks and says it's not possible to take another step in this busted up world, Jesus looks at you and says it's possible. He doesn't need you to be some huge pillar of faith. He doesn't need you to put scripture on your helmet. What he needs from you is to take the next step. The next step in trust, the next step in faith. And I don't know what that is for you. It might be breathing. It might be taking a nap. It might be eating a steak. I don't know what it means for you. But I know what it doesn't mean. It can't mean that God has forgotten you. It can't be that. With all that comes from this season and all the sadness and the heartache and the discouragement and the wonder and even the joy and the excitement and the anticipation, all those things are going to let us down, but it can't mean that God has forgotten you. It isn't that he's pulled away from you. It isn't that he's not there, because Jesus being God with us means that he is God with us. That he's God with us in our sufferings, and he's God with us in our delights and he's God with us all the time. Uh, I got home from work the other day, and my wife was watching um, the Claymation Rudolph, like the blinking eyes. Um, she was watching with our son, which is hilarious because he's 15 months, and he's like, just crawls away. Um, but we started watching it, and they get to the Island of Misfit Toys, and I was like, aren't we all the Island of Misfit Toys? She kind of rolled her eyes. Because um, that's the kind of wisdom she gets all the time, guys. She gets that, she gets sermon illustrations left and right all the time for free. But as we think about that and as we wonder, we, we are this island of misfit toys because every one of us has a broken spring. Um, and every one of us has a broken crank. 
And every one of us are wondering, how are we going to work again? Who's going to want us? Who's going to make us whole? And we hear this story of a God who does what's impossible. And we know that we are promised a God that is with us in spirit. And soon, and very soon, he'll be a God who is with us in the flesh. So as we sit through this first advent, let us hope for this second advent. Let us rejoice and remember that Christmas is for us. For those areas of our lives that are not Instagrammable, Christ is born for you. For those that are weary, to the waiting, to the broken, to the barren, that's who Christ comes to. To those who are lost and in search of a Savior, we can look at Jesus and say, just like the other impossible baby in the story, John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, when Jesus walked in front of him, John points to Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That that's who we have. That's who we behold this Christmas season. So as we walk through all the craziness and all the weirdness that's going to come from this week and the weeks to follow, we can look and say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. For joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let's pray together. Our great and gracious uh, Heavenly Father, Jesus. Uh, Jesus isn't the Heavenly Father. God's Heavenly Father. It's fine. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we are so uh, undone by the story uh, of your son, Jesus, uh, the one that you sent uh, to take away the sins of the world, the one that you sent uh, to mediate uh, for us, to intercede on our behalf, uh, the Holy Spirit that groans when we don't know what to say. Uh, You've been so kind and gracious to us. Uh, As we have been uh, forgetful of you, you have not once forgotten us. And so, God, we ask uh, that this great plan that you authored um, that was accomplished by your Son has been applied by your Spirit, uh, that we would take hold of all that that means for us uh, this Christmas season and beyond, uh, that we can uh, close out this service uh, singing songs of of you singing loudly of the works that you have done that we could leave here rejoicing uh, knowing uh, that you are a God who remembers us you are a God whose kingdom has no end Uh, you are a God who does not forget his people Uh, we have that guarantee Uh, we have the anchor of that hope who is your son Jesus in whose name we do pray amen